Welcome to Mountain State Cardboard, a podcast about sports, sports cards, and life from the Mountain State of West Virginia. If you're looking for guaranteed hot picks and lead pipe lock advice on the next big thing in sports cards, just turn around now. This isn't the show for you. This is a fun conversation about the hobby we all love. Another week, another episode of Mountain State Cardboard. Welcome, everyone. I'm Tim. This is my podcast about sports, sports cards, and life. And you can connect with me a lot of different ways. Uh, Certainly, you're listening to the podcast. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter, at WV Cardboard. You can email me, wvcardboard at gmail.com. You can visit the website, wvcardboard.com. just trying to to build that brand, WV Cardboard. We're talking sports and sports cards from the Mountain State, West Virginia proud, and uh, something that I will always talk about. By the way, Instagram post over the weekend, really uh, just anytime this happens, and it's happened a couple of times, but I always like to shout it out. On Saturday afternoon, college football, you had Texas A&M taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide, and that is a game where both head coaches grew up within about 20 miles of each other in north-central West Virginia, very close to where I grew up. Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, I told the story several weeks ago about Jimbo Fisher's mom being my chemistry teacher in high school, but uh, so I threw it up on Instagram. You know, this is uh, uh, Wikipedia says Fairmont, West Virginia. It's it's really Ida May, but uh, Fairmont, West Virginia versus Clarksburg, West Virginia. It's just uh, it's it's cool anytime that happens because we are a small state with a small population, and you're talking about two of the premier coaches in college football facing off against each other uh, on a Saturday afternoon. I, I, I will always uh, find a way uh, to point that out. But anyway, I threw that up on the uh, on the Instagram um, just to mark the occasion. Uh, but anyway, those are the platforms. Like it, multiple ways to, to get a hold of me. About the only place that, that I don't exist, uh, the show doesn't exist, or the brand doesn't exist, is on Facebook. And that's because And I know I'm on Instagram and it's owned by Facebook, but I'm just very anti-Facebook. Have been for a very long time. Don't like the Facebook. Just not a fan of Facebook. Anyway, uh, Instagram, Twitter at WV Cardboard or check me out online, WVCardboard.com or email me, WVCardboard at gmail.com. And let's just have a conversation. And uh, I wanted to shout out a couple of folks that have reached out to me and, and I've been chatting with on uh, Instagram and a lot of it goes back to the West Virginia connection. Uh, shout out to Mike Janeway and Ken Kinsley. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for uh, following on uh, on Instagram. Always great to chat with folks about sports and uh, West Virginia and and cards and man, this is fun for me. So, uh, like I said, big week in sports. Where do we want to start? Actually, I want to start with. Uh, a content shout out just because, you know, when I was on the radio years ago, I was always very open about the things that were happening in my life. And because I feel like if you're going to take the time to listen to me uh, on whatever platform my voice is coming across, it's incumbent upon me to be real and not be phony. One thing I can't stand is when you're watching someone on TV or listening to someone on the radio or in a podcast and you just feel like in the back of your head, this is not really who they are. This is a character that they're playing. This isn't real. 
Uh, I always strive to be authentic and real, and that's part of my personal brand. And and I talk a lot about branding and and your personal brand, but authenticity is part of who I am. So I wanted to shout out just off the top of the show today, Jordan at Sports Card Analytics. He hadn't done any YouTube content for a few weeks, um, which, you know, doesn't really raise any alarm bells for for folks. You know, we come and go. We all have lives outside of what we do in the hobby. But Jordan did a show uh, last week and and talked about why he had not been uh, producing any content recently, and it goes back to something in his personal life, and it's medical, and and he talked about it very openly to explain where he'd been, but also to raise awareness for what it what what it is he he deals with. Um, and I'm not going to go into the details. Go to the YouTube channel, Sports Card Analytics, and watch for yourself. Um, but shout out to Jordan for for just being real, man. For just being authentic, and you know, just laying it bare, and. I gained an even greater appreciation for Jordan and what he does after watching that episode. So uh, off the top, content shout out. Jordan, I'm with you, man. I can't wait for the next episode. Um, Okay, let's talk sports. I'm recording this on Monday morning. Last night, Jimmy Butler uh, absolutely bushwhacked the Lakers uh, down in the bubble. And now that series is 2-1 and what was looking like a potential Lakers sweep. Uh, if you listen to Jimmy Butler, a 40-point triple-double, wow. And the interesting stat I thought uh, after the game, and you know, you can, you can parse stats a lot of different ways. Um, and some stats mean something and some stats don't. And I don't know that this one necessarily means anything other than the historical significance. Jimmy Butler is the first player to outscore, out-rebound, and out-assist LeBron James in a finals game in his career, and that includes LeBron's teammates. So the only person to best him in all three categories in a game was last night, Jimmy Butler. And, you know, he said in his post-game interview, we figured some things out, and they did that. They they beat the Lakers handily. The Lakers pulled within a couple of possessions a couple of different times in the second half. But I don't think anybody ever got the feeling that the Heat were in danger, and they did that without Bam Adebayo, without Goran Dragic. So they did that without two of their original starting five from when the series began two of their best players on the bench and they took the Lakers to the woodshed last night and Jimmy Butler said in the post-game interview we've figured some things out and he talked about rebounding but you kind of got the feeling from listening to Jimmy Butler talk that it's more than just rebounding they've maybe figured out some things either defensively or how they want to attack the Lakers offensively and I think game four is pivotal because the Lakers have had that game, right, where they sort of sleepwalk. Every series in the playoffs, they've had that one game where they kind of sleepwalk through the game and lose. And so game four will tell the tale. We'll find out, was game three just the Lakers sleepwalking and they'll come back and, you know, in true LeBron James fashion, sort of turn it around and go for the throat? Or... Have the Heat really figured something out, and are the Lakers in trouble? Game four, if this if this series goes two two and it becomes a three game series, the whole complexion of it changes, and it's fascinating, and it's going to be so much fun to watch. So I'm super stoked for 
game four of the NBA Finals because that, to me, is the swing game. Usually a game five rubber match if it's a series tied at 2-2. Game five is the swing game. I think game four is the swing game because that's when we find out, did the Heat really figure something out? And there is no one on planet Earth more competitive than Jimmy Butler. And last night was so much fun to watch just his individual performance. And I think he did it all without scoring a three. He didn't shoot a three at all, I don't think, or didn't make a three at all. I, I had to go back and look at the box score, but uh, I think he did it all without the benefit of a of a three. Um, LeBron was way off of his game last night. AD looked lost. Uh, you know, when LeBron gets two traveling calls in like within three or four possessions, you know something's up, right? And and I, he was just off last night. I don't know what that was about, but. Game four is going to be exciting. Major League Baseball, uh, man, so much fun. Fernando Tatis Jr., welcome to the playoffs. Also, bye-bye Cardinals. I talked last week about why I don't like the Cardinals. I'm not going to belabor that point, but I loved seeing the young, fun, play-with-emotion San Diego Padres come back and knock off the get off my lawn, play the game the right way Cardinals, because I hate that mentality. I, I, I think the game should be fun. I think if you want young people and new generations of people to, to become Major League Baseball fans, you have to embrace the emotion and the passion of guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. Flip that bat, man. Flip it. I love it. And I'm all in on Tatis. Uh, what, what a lot of fun. There are great young players in Major League Baseball right now, and I'm glad that they're on this this playoff stage when I think there are more people watching Major League Baseball playoffs this year because of the pandemic and the way this whole thing has happened. I think baseball has more viewership this year, and I love the fact that some of these young guys are on this stage. Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, Ronald Acuna uh, is a, a great young player, Luis Robert even though the White Sox got eliminated, he hit a bomb in the playoffs for the Sox. Uh, 477 feet, I think, was was one of the home runs he hit. Um, I'm glad that these guys got the opportunity to showcase because I'm going to tell you what, these guys are going to be good for a very long time. And we can talk about the cards, but just appreciate the baseball. Appreciate what you're watching when these guys are playing the game. And, you know, we're leaving out guys that that are are – established young stars like Mookie Betts and Manny Machado. These guys, Cody Bellinger, these guys are good and baseball is going to be fun for a very long time because of them. Get in on the cards now. Get in on the fandom now. Pick your players and just and just enjoy it. And, and I'm going to get into that towards, towards the end of the show and more, you know, talk about where I see my collection going. But uh, this week it was reinforced to me. I just love the fact that I've got Tatis and Acuna cards in my collection, and I don't want to sell them. Um, I don't want to sell the peak. I want to. I want to hold on to these guys because I think they're going to be good for a very long time. So, you know, pick a. If you're not a baseball guy, pick a team, pick a player or two, and and just buy up some cards, relatively inexpensive. Hold on to them and, and just see what happens and enjoy it and and start following a player or a team and 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 get back into baseball because baseball is fun and exciting again and I'm 
so stoked about it. Um, one of the things that was happening this week that I thought was interesting, uh, more updates from PSA and uh, folks just really, really upset with PSA and talking about you know the, all of the problems with the grading process and all of the problems with the way PSA treats their customers and all of just watching people online, and, and most of it was on Instagram, just watching people lose their minds and and so angry with PSA and the way PSA treats their customers. But guess what? You're all still going to keep subbing cards. And this is, to me, the greatest mystery of the grading world. And we've talked about it on here, and everybody talks about it. And you've got PSA, and you've got BGS, and to a lesser extent, you've got SGC, although everybody likes to make fun of SGC. But we talk about it and we complain about it, but people still keep subbing. Delays, backlogs, PSA bragging about their backlog uh, from a, and see, this is corporate America, right? Like they're complaining about their backlog or they're, they're bragging about their backlog because they're, they're basically touting how popular their service is, but they leave out the part where, you know, these thousands upon thousands upon thousands of cards that are backlogged in their system, they belong to people and people want them back either for their collection or to sell because that's part of their business model is sending their cards to PSA and turning around and selling them for profit on the secondary market. And PSA is impeding that, but then bragging about it and and wearing it like a badge of honor. And their response to all of this is to raise their prices, continued delays. Grading companies to me are like when you were in college. And when you were in college and I was in college, we all had that. There was always that one guy or girl, that one person in the friend group who when you went out on the weekends, they would just, they would get sloppy drunk. They couldn't take care of themselves in public. They acted like an ass. You wound up having to carry them back to the apartment. Half the time you were, you know, a peacemaker or trying to break up fights because of something that they said or did, you know, never had money to, to pay for their tab or always bumming money for after bar food, like that one friend in the group. And by the way, if you didn't have that one friend in your friend group, you were probably you were probably that friend. Speaking from experience on a certain level, but every friend group had that one guy. And then so Sunday morning or throughout the week, you would all complain about him and 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 talk about how you hated going out with him. And then guess what? Friday night, you were back at the bar with him. So we complain about these things and we it drives us crazy and, and it, it, it impedes our ability to enjoy ourselves. But then we just go right back out with them. And PSA and BGS and SGC are the same way. We complain about them. We we and I don't mean to sound preachy, guys, but it's really like you have to you have to step back and listen to this and 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 just let this soak in. You complain about them, their their business practices and their turnarounds, and and then you know I watch I watch 
guys on Instagram complain about the unreliability of the service and the inconsistent grading. But then we just keep subbing cards. And I say this to you as sincerely as possible. The only way this changes is if you stop valuing and using their service. Stop valuing what they do. If you think that their service is unreliable and inconsistent and you don't like the rate increases, just stop subbing and sell your cards raw. And I know you're taking a hit. I know it. I know it. I know it. But the only way this changes is if you stop valuing the service. Because guess what's not going to change PSA or BGS or SGC's business practices? Rewarding bad behavior and continuing to sub cards and send them money. They only understand one thing, and that is the money. Stop rewarding companies for bad business practices. Stop valuing their services. Brett on Stacking Slabs says all the time, eliminate the things in the hobby that hinder your enjoyment. And he's right. And if the waiting game on PSA and BGS and SGC, if the waiting game hinders your enjoyment, eliminate it. Buy the cards, sit on them, sell them raw, wait wait this out. We all get caught up in trying to sell the peak. You cannot sell the peak if you cannot be reliant on when you're going to get your cards back. And I go back to, and I mentioned it a few times, my beautiful Giannis rookie that I sent in back in like April that I still don't have. I missed the peak on Giannis because once they, you know, the the peak was before they got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. That was the peak. Once that happened, I don't care when that card comes back because realistically, if I do want to sell it and I'm going to sell it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell it and I'm going to buy a raw uh, version just for my PC. I don't like to have graded cards on my PC. I really don't. Um, I'm just going to I'm just when I, whenever it comes I'm just going to sit on it until next season and uh, and find a peak and unload it. But guys, I promise you the only way this changes is if you stop valuing the service that they provide. Because as long as you continue to value it and use it and pay for it, they have absolutely no motivation to change their ways. Because all of this chatter, all of this chatter online means nothing really because it's not affecting their bottom line. Until they start losing money, they're not going to change their ways. They'll eventually get better. They'll hire more graders. They'll, they'll, you know, we'll have robot graders. Like that, those things are going to change over time, not quickly. They're going to change because businesses do grow and change on their own, of their own volition over time. But if you want immediate change, just stop using them. And even then, I don't know that it works. But I promise you, continuing to value and pay for a service that you complain about is, is it's an exercise in futility. It's all it is. Um, asked a question on my Instagram this week uh, at WV Cardboard about shipping. So I've gotten into, I've never, I've never been a card seller until you know, the last month to six weeks or so. Um, I've, I've always bought, I've never sold, I've, I never had motivation to sell, but I kind of, you know, I talked a couple of weeks ago about rethinking my, 
you know, strategies and how I want to collect and what I want to collect. And, and I just, I've got too much stuff that I don't care about and I just want to get rid of it. And I'm not necessarily doing it to make money. I'm doing it to liquidate and, and thin out my collection and roll that money into better cards and not more on that in a moment. But, um, but I asked the question on my Instagram this week about shipping and I've got the eBay store and I've sold a few things. Um, but I am of the, like, I'm not a high volume seller, so I don't, unless it's a big card and I've got a couple of cards that I would ship for free and, and I'm happy to do that. But by and large, selling the things that I'm, that I'm getting rid of, I, I can't sell in enough volume to justify free shipping. So I'm, you know, I've got it set up that the buyer pays for shipping and I'm shipping everything bubble mailer with tracking. Um, I'm, I'm shipping everything, uh, prior. So I'm doing it the right way. And I feel like as a, as a buyer, I don't mind paying for shipping. If I know that I'm getting a quality shipped product, I will not buy PWE. I will not ship PWE. Plain white envelope is not for me. I think if you care enough about the cards and you're buying them either for your personal collection or you're buying them to flip, you want them to be packaged right. I do not believe in plain white envelope. And trust me, guys, you can stamp on the envelope, do non-machinable. You can you can write and do not bend. You can do all of those things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to the post office. It doesn't matter to the guy that's feeding it through the system. Those things... I think it makes makes you feel better when you write it on there and send it out, but I promise you the end result is not always what you want it to be. A bubble mailer with some cardboard is a much better option. So I don't mind as a consumer to pay for that. So as a seller, that's how I so I expect that the people buying cards from me, I guess, feel the same way I do. So I threw it out on Instagram and got a, a lot of really great responses. And it was sort of both ends of the spectrum. But what it comes down to, I think for me is if the card is, if I'm selling it for enough, if it's, if it's a high priced enough card, I don't mind including the shipping for free because I'm more than making the money off of the card. But if I'm just making a couple of bucks off of the card, I can't afford to ship it for free. I've got to charge for shipping because I'm not selling at a high enough volume to make the money up. So that's my dilemma. And I think it's holding back some of my sales because obviously you're going to factor in the price of the shipping and the price of the card. So I'm, I'm just kind of working through that. But I guess what I'm saying on the show today is, and again, lots of platforms to interact with me on Instagram, Twitter, my email address, wvcardboard at gmail.com. How do you feel about it? I guess I'm asking a very open-ended question here today. Let me tell you. So when I sell a card, the card goes in a penny sleeve. The card goes in a top loader with a little piece of blue painter's tape across the top to keep the card in place, sandwiched between two pieces of cardboard cut to fit, wrapped in the packing list printed from eBay, inside the bubble mailer, self-seal, then sealed on the edges with packing tape, label, out the door. 
all painter's tape, no scotch tape. If you use scotch tape, there's a special place in hell for you. So I'm sending it out the right way because I, I care about the card and I assume that the person buying the card cares about the card and I want it to arrive in proper shape. Oh, and P.S., I would put, the, I would put the, the top loader in a team bag, but I cannot get team bags. My LCS doesn't have team bags. Uh, I'm not paying uh, the price that I'm finding on Amazon for team bags right now. So I'm foregoing the team bag, but the card is in the top loader and it's pretty well sealed between two pieces of cardboard. That's every card that goes out of my room to the post office is packaged the same way. And also, all of the bubble mailers are navy blue because I'm building a brand with Mountain State cardboard. Okay, so my question, I get my very open-ended question is this. Am I wrong, A, to care as much about the cards as I do, but B, am I wrong in thinking that people should be willing to pay for a well-shipped product? Again, if I was a high-volume, I mean, if I'm Burbank Cards... Sure, I'll ship for free at a certain level because, you know, I'm, I'm a high-volume seller. But if I'm sending out six or seven cards a week, I, I, I'm, not, it's not the, I, I'm, I'm not making enough money to justify free shipping. So do you think that the shipping issue is holding me back? Am I, am I approaching this wrong? Should I just slap it in a... In a plain white envelope with a couple of thin pieces of cardboard and call it a day. I just, I care about the product. So I want to make sure it's sent right. And I, I, and again, as a consumer, I don't mind paying for the shipping. So I just assume that other people don't mind either. But then I go back to the grading issue and I assume that people understand that continuing to pay for a service and complaining about it will get you nowhere, but maybe I'm wrong on that one too. So anyway, the shipping thing is, is just, it's a, it's a question that I have. It's a conundrum and I'm trying to work through it. Um, and I'm thinking about like a threshold, like if, if a card is $25 or more, I'll, I'll offer free shipping, but anything below that I have to charge, um, I don't know. Just a thought. Just kicking around in my head, trying to figure it out. I'm re- I'm new to this selling game, so any of and I posted on Twitter. For those of you that have been doing this for a long time, much respect because it is a grind. And I'm not complaining. I'm enjoying it, but selling is a lot more work than I realized it would be. So much respect to those guys that have been doing it for quite some time. Um. So last week's show, I talked. I told my story about buying the vintage cards um, in the diner parking lot, the the '64 Mantle and the '65 Hank Aaron. And these cards are still sitting on my desk. I'm looking at them right now. These cards have brought me so much joy, and it has just really helped crystallize for me what my collecting goals are. That I really want to start focusing more on vintage and less on modern moving forward because of that that joy that I get from these cards. And no, I never saw Mickey Mantle play. I never saw Hank Aaron play. But as someone who grew up loving baseball and growing up in a family of people that loved baseball and hearing the stories and watching the documentaries and reading the books, and even though I never saw these guys play, I have appreciation for who they are and what they meant to the game of baseball. So to have these cards in my collection brings me joy. So 
I'm just really, and that's part of why I'm selling. I, I've got so much stuff that I just don't care about, that I was collecting for the sake of collecting, and I just want to move on from it, and I want to buy things that bring me joy and make me happy. Um, now, that doesn't mean that it's just vintage. Modern cards can do the same thing, and I talked at the top of the show about guys like Tatis and Machado and Acuna and Mookie Betts and Nolan Arenado and guys that I love to watch play. I'm st- I'm still going to have their stuff in my collection. And for some of those guys, it'll be a lot of their stuff. I mean, I, I don't I I like to have base cards of Nolan Arenado because he's my favorite player. It doesn't just have to be RPAs and serial numbered cards and for a guy that you like, I I, I do want it all. But I've got too much of that stuff of players that I don't care about, teams that I don't care about. So I'm moving on from it because Chris from House of Jordans says so, – so by the way, the the, the content shout-outs are just sprinkled in throughout the show today. Um, but Chris from House of Jordans says all the time, you know, I want less stuff, but I want better stuff, right? He, he said it a few times on the podcast, and guests have said it. And I think there's a whole lot of us in the hobby who are moving in this direction where we say, we've just got too much stuff. We, I don't want all this stuff. I want better stuff. So to reverse engineer that, the way to get to better stuff is to get rid of the things you don't want and put that money into the things that you do. So it is about reverse engineering your way, as, as Brett on Stacking Slabs likes to talk about, finding the card that you want and reverse engineering your way to it. And that's kind of what I'm doing, right? I want more vintage stuff. So I'm going to get rid of a lot of this modern stuff that I don't care about and put that money into vintage. I want, a, you know, for example, I want a really nice hopefully serial numbered, low print run Acuna auto. So I'm going to reverse engineer my way to that. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm in a reset mode in my collecting and that's what it all comes down to over the last several weeks of talking about this. I'm in reset mode. Um, by the way, another content shout out, latest episode of the Luca show. Every time Every time G shows off his collection, I'm impressed. And in the most recent episode, he went into great detail showing off his Steph Curry collection. And he talked about why he collects Steph Curry and, you know, did a screen share and and scrolled through Card Ladder and showed off his Steph Curry collection. And, man, every time that dude shows off his cards – I'm just impressed. I just, I love his collection and it, it gives me something to aspire to. He's player focused much as I am, but he also focuses on low print run and visually appealing cards. And that to me is the hallmark of collect what you like. He wants things that are rare and pretty, right? Rare and visually appealing. And I like that. And I like that mentality. And I like that philosophy. I would love to put together a Damian Lillard collection that is half of what his Steph Curry collection looks like because it is beautiful. And Lillard's my favorite player, hands down, not even close in the NBA right now. And that's the guy that I'm focusing on in basketball. And I'm, I collect 
I'm not single sport focused. I can't be. I, I, I love sports too much. I can't do it. But I would love to put together a Dame collection that is half as cool as G's Steph Curry collection because, man, it is gorgeous. So shout out to the Luca Show on YouTube. If you're not watching it, you got to because you're going to drool over the cards that this guy shows off. They're, they're amazing. Uh, and I st- by the way, I still can't get over the fact that he's got a hoop in his house. That's a whole other thing. But anyway, um, so I'm, I, 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 I do want to focus more on vintage. And the, the experience of last week really reinforced that for me. But on the modern side, I don't, I don't want it all. I just want the one or two players that I really like. I want to focus on them, and I want better stuff. Low print run, visually appealing, on-card autos. You know, that's, that's the stuff that I'm looking for. Not, And I'm still going to rip packs just because I love to rip packs. But a lot less of that and a lot more of seeking out really cool cards that I'm proud to have, that I enjoy looking at, and that I enjoy knowing I've got in my collection. Um, on the baseball side, I, 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 am, I do have an affinity for sets. And I am, I'm, like, I'm working on a 1974 top set, my birth year set. Um, you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's cool to think about the year you were born and then go back and put a set. And it's real easy for me in 1974 because there's really only one set, right? Like, I don't have to worry about, well, am I going to do Tops, Fleer, Donruss, Upper Deck? No, I, I'm, I'm cool, man. I, just, I only have to worry about Tops. Um, so I, I do like set building um, in vintage baseball, but that's more as someone who loves the history of the game and appreciates the stories of these players and the stories that the, the cards tell. Um, I'm not interested in modern set building. I, I was for a little while, um, but I'm, I'm not interested in modern uh, set building. It's just that doesn't appeal to me um, anymore. Um, so vintage sets, yes. Modern sets, no. Um, and I've got a bunch of sets. But there's another question, by the way. I've got a bunch of sets. Uh, just, you know, they're in the boxes, they're on the shelves, in the hobby room. And I'm curious to see what people think about selling the sets versus busting it up and selling the individual cards. And I've got sets from 1980 through 1990, multiple, you know, sort of the, the groundswell of the junk wax era, but... Uh, multiple products, multiple manufacturers, multiple sets from different years, 80 through 90. Um, the 80 set is off limits, untouchable. 1980, favorite set of all time, 80 tops. Not going to do anything with that. But for, from then on, you know, what do you guys think? Do, do you gravitate toward set breaking and selling off individual cards or trying to move the set? Um, I'm just curious because I've, I've just, again, it's too much stuff and I just want to get rid of it. It doesn't bring me joy. Um, the 64 mantle that I'm looking at right now brings me 10 times the joy as knowing that I have uh, an 87 Donruss set in the next room. 
So I'm trying to figure all of this out, and I, I would be interested in your input. What do you guys think? Bust the set, sell the set, different perspectives on that. And I might throw that up, that up on, uh, on Instagram later this week as a question for folks to uh, chime in on as well. But if you want to shoot me an email, uh, wvcardboard at gmail.com, or uh, hit me up on Instagram at wvcardboard uh, in the DMs, and, and just let me know what you think. Break the set, sell the set. What's your approach? What's your advice? Uh, I'm curious. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I am, right? Like that's, and that's why I said today there wasn't a major topic. There were a couple of minor topics that I was going to all sort of conglomerate, grading, shipping, selling, because that's where I am right now in the hobby is just trying to, I'm just, I'm very open about the fact that I'm just trying to figure things out. And I'm developing a network of people who I trust, and I'm interested in your opinions. And that, to me, is the other great thing about what's going on in the hobby these days with all of the content and all of the social media platforms that we all interact on is you can find your people, and you can, you, you can, you can find a group of people whose opinions you trust and whose opinions you value, and you can lean into that. And that's been really great for me because I've always kind of collected it on, on an island until the last few months. And now I feel like I'm part of a community again, and that's super cool. So uh, that's it for the show today. Uh, not quite as long, I don't think, as, as normal shows. Again, no major topic, just a couple of little topics. But guys, enjoy the sports this week and next week and in the next couple of weeks to come because this is this is the peak for us, right? We're in uh, baseball playoffs, last three games of the NBA, five, four games of the NBA finals, it, NFL football, which we didn't even talk about today, but real quick, shout out to my boy Justin Herbert. Yeah, he threw a pick at the end of the game yesterday uh, against the uh, the Buccaneers, but if you watched that game, you saw everything that I talked about with Justin Herbert. Poise in the pocket, good feet, strong arm, good decision making. He let a lay, he let a throw sail on him, and he has to own that. But you are seeing the maturation of what is going to be a very good quarterback in Justin Herbert. So there's your gratuitous Justin Herbert reference for this week. But again, enjoy it, guys. Enjoy it. And find the players that you enjoy watching play and buy their cards that it's as simple as that that's my that's my mantra for you guys and my advice for you guys now moving forward and it's all really crystallized for me in the last several weeks but find those players that you enjoy watching play I get excited every time Fernando Tatis comes up to bat find those guys that you enjoy watching play and buy their cards and it makes the game watching and the collecting both much more enjoyable because you're excited when they're playing you know, I'm excited watching Justin Herbert play because I've invested in his cards. And I am happy to be invested in his cards because I enjoy watching him play. It's two sides of the same coin. So find those players that you like, buy their cards, and you're going to enjoy all of it so much more. I promise you. So that's it for today. Guys, have a great week. We'll be back next week for another episode of Mountain State Cardboard. Love you guys. Talk to you then. Connect with Mountain State Cardboard on Instagram at WV Cardboard. Our theme music is performed and produced by John Ingram. Visit our show page on Anchor, anchor.fm slash WV Cardboard. This podcast is a member of the 3BG Podcasting Network, a production of 3BG Media. All rights reserved.